Welcome to All Things Sleep and Parenting. I'm Pam. And I'm Elisa, and we are the founders of Restful Parenting. And I'm Heidi, the owner of Blossom Early Learning. Join us to chat all things sleep, parenting, development, and everything in between. Be sure to hit subscribe and share with your friends and family. Sneezing, coughing, jumping, laughing, and peeing. It's quite common for a lot of moms after giving birth, but... Is it okay? Is it normal? Should it be? Join us for this week's episode with MJ Forget of Gateway Physiotherapy as we sit down to chat all things pelvic floor. So hello and welcome. I'm Pam and uh, today we have a special treat because today I'm sitting down with MJ Folget. She is a pelvic floor physiotherapist um, and the co-owner of Gateway Physiotherapy here in North Bay. So this is super exciting. This is going to be um, for our moms before they become moms, our um, moms who are waiting to become moms and then are after uh, baby arrives what we can be doing so there's lots to talk about we have lots of questions um we're gonna jump in but before we do that i do want to talk a little bit um about mj and who she is so mj um has been a physiotherapist she graduated from ottawa u in 1995 not that that's dating us just just throwing that out there um but she's been specializing in pelvic health since 1997, so almost 23 years now that she has been hyper-focused on pelvic floor, um, pelvic floor health. So she's also, um, super exciting, she was also the first one in Northern Ontario to um, specialize in pelvic health, and uh, she's also now an instructor for um, pelvic health... Pelvic health solutions. Pelvic health solutions. So she's now an instructor for pelvic health in, uh, solutions as well. So let's jump in. Um, hi, MJ. Thanks so much for coming, and thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat today. Heidi and Elisa are not with us, but uh, we have MJ, and that is fantastic. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So before um, we kind of jump into our pregnant and our mm -hmm. soon-to-be moms, let's chat pelvic floor. Like, what... We hear it often, right? We hear pelvic floor, we hear Kegels, we hear all of these little things here and there, especially once uh, we start thinking about becoming pregnant or once we're pregnant. But what is the pelvic floor? Okay, so the best way to visualize, because the problem with the pelvic floor is you can't see it. A lot of the muscles in our body are easy to see and easy to touch, but your pelvic floor is inside your body. So if you're sitting tall in a chair, your pelvic floor starts at your pubic bone, Okay. And it comes back and attaches to your tailbone. Interesting. And then it comes out to the sides and attaches to your two sit bones. So it's actually a pretty big muscle at the bottom of your pelvis. So the floor of your pelvis is only muscles. Interesting. It, yeah. So, and it's big. It's bigger than we realize, but we don't talk about it because we don't really see it and we don't think about it until we have issues. But it has a lot of jobs to do. So it's a pretty important muscle that way. Uh, job number one is it holds our organs in their proper position. So if you think about, you're not thinking about holding your bladder up right now. You're no. not thinking about holding up your uterus or your rectum. No. So our organs sit on top of that muscle. And that muscle is working quietly right now with just you sitting the way you're sitting. Okay. So it, it's working at rest. 
and it holds everything up into her body. Men and women equally the same. Okay, so there's no difference between men there's or women a couple, with that. There's one muscle that's a little different in men than in women, but really in terms of the function of the pelvic floor, it's pretty much the same thing. Interesting, okay. But when we talk about a condition called prolapse, which we'll talk about yes. in the postpartum, men don't get that, but okay. women do, and there's a reason anatomically that that happens. You definitely want to listen to uh, that part because that was one of the pieces where I was like, what can yeah. happen to my yeah. uterus? Things can happen. So think of, think of your pelvic floor like a shelf, and it's holding up your bladder, your uterus, and your rectum. Okay. All is good. And then the second thing the pelvic floor does is it's a sphincter. So that means that it wraps around your urethra, it wraps around your vagina, it also wraps around your, your anal opening okay. so that you don't lose bladder or bowel control. So when you feel like you have to go pee and you've got to hold it in and you're tightening, you're squeezing around your openings so that you don't lose bladder or bowel control. So that's pretty important. Super. And so the muscles have to be able to do that and get you to the bathroom on time. It's also an, a really important muscle because it's your sexual function muscle. So for both men and women, it is very important to have good pelvic floor function because it allows you to have an orgasm and it allows men to have an erection. So sensation during intercourse, your ability to have an orgasm is very much related to the health of your pelvic floor. So that's pretty important. So we don't want yeah, to forget about sexual is. activity and how that impacts women pre and post babies. So, and I know that today's uh, conversation is going to be focused more so on uh, pregnancy and stuff, but if we're having trouble with s having sex, enjoyable sex, yeah. orgasming, pain, yeah. any of that stuff, that's all something a pelvic floor physiotherapist right. can deal with as and well. That, and that can happen a lot with women even before they have children. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of young women who come to see me who've never been able to have pain-free intercourse from a very young age, from when they're sexually active, and that can happen at many ages now. Um, and so they're often really worried about ever being able to get pregnant because they're not able to have intercourse pain-free. So that's a group of women we work with a lot because we want them, when they're ready to have a baby, to not be afraid of, of having sex, right? So yeah. I do see a lot of young women and I see women after they've had their babies and then after menopause is another time. Yes. So we can talk a little bit about that. So yeah, so it's important for holding everything up, closing around your openings, making sure you're having good healthy sex, but it also relaxes and that's really important as well because when you sit to go pee or you sit to have a bowel movement, those muscles are designed to stretch and that's important because it should never hurt to pee, it should never hurt to have a bowel movement and they have to stretch to give birth. So it's important mm -hmm. for birthing that these muscles are elastic and that they're flexible and the healthier they are, the more resilient they are to birthing as well. So that's really important. Okay. And they act like a pump. So your pelvic floor moves with your breath, and that helps with reducing swelling. So a lot of mums, when they're pregnant, have varicose veins on their vulva. And so there's exercises we do with the pelvic floor to get some pumping action so that there's good venous blood flow so that it reduces that heaviness during pregnancy and, and the varicose veins that you can have on your vulva. So again, so that's what the pelvic floor does. So Great. it's a big muscle inside your body, and it has a lot of different jobs to do. And we never talk about it. We never talk about it. And if we're not talking about it, how are we making sure that we are keeping it healthy? Exactly. Right? So and Yeah. And a lot of times what happens is people don't recognize the importance of that muscle until something happens. Yes. And then they start Googling it. Right? They start kind of looking online what's happening or talk to their doctors. Okay. So healthy pelvic floor is exactly what we want, but by having a healthy pelvic floor, what can we avoid? Here's so, some of the, yeah. here's so, some of the So what, what can happen if, yeah. So if your pelvic floor 
is doing its job well, then your bladder function is good, your bowel function is good, sex is pleasurable and pain-free. So some of the conditions that happen when you have issues with your pelvic floor is that you can have what we call incontinence. Yes. Okay. So incontinence is a lot of different definitions, but the main one, uh, especially with, with pregnancy and being postpartum mums, is what we call stress incontinence. So stress incontinence is when you cough, you sneeze, you laugh, Yes. you jump on the trampoline with your kids, or you try to do jumping jacks, and you lose a bit of bladder control. Okay. So that is the most common form of incontinence. About one in four women will have stress incontinence. So it's quite common. Well, and here's the here's the challenge, right? Is oh yes, I have that. Oh yes, your that's mother. Right. Oh, everybody has it. It's just yeah. that's just that you had a baby. That's what it that's is, right. right? So what I find is it becomes common. Yeah. So now we accept it as that's right, quote unquote normal. Yeah, and that's the that's the the myth. It's common, but it's not okay. Okay. Right? And there's a big misunderstanding that, oh, you had three kids or, or you had a big baby or, and there's a lot of that dismissiveness yes. of the problem because we say, oh, well, one in four women. Yeah, but that's not okay. Especially when there's easy treatment for it, you know, mm -hmm. so it is a misconception and women do say, well, you know, what can you expect? I've had, you know, X many children. And I say, well, it's still not okay. It's never okay to leak urine. Leaking urine is telling you something's not working. Yeah. So if you're in the grocery store and you have to sneeze and you have to stop and cross your legs then that is a, a, good indica a good indication good indication that it's not that's working right. and the problem is I think that the biggest issue I have as well when when people talk that way and and, and listen health professionals also sometimes talk that way yes. is that when we get dismissive then we don't realize the impact that has so if you're leaking urine maybe you stop exercising Okay, well, that's a problem because if we want women to stay healthy and fit and not put on weight and develop diabetes and cardiovascular disease, mm -hmm. as a physiotherapist, I want them to exercise. Yeah. So women often will stop exercising because of leakage. Okay. The other repercussion is women start to socially isolate themselves because yep. you don't want to go out if you're going to have an accident and you don't want to go out because you're worried you're going to smell like pee or you don't want to go out because you're wearing a pad and you're, you're conscious of, am I going to be able to change my pad? Where am I going to change my pad? What if somebody says something really funny and then I can't stop it? That's and it right. Just and then completely... I have to leave the room because I got to go to the bathroom and I got to change my pad. So women start to actually pull away from life. Okay. Now, that's a serious repercussion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're, we become dismissive with incontinence and say, oh, it's normal. You've had children. But the consequences are significant. There's a huge cost to the healthcare system, huge cost to incontinence in terms of the cost of pads. Pads cost women $1,500 on average, a year. Okay, that's a huge cost for, for, for women. It is a huge burden to the healthcare system because of the fact that there's a lot of surgeries related to bladder yes. incontinence. Um, and then the cost as well, it's the number one reason women get admitted into nursing homes as seniors is because they become incontinent to such an extent that family members can't take care of them anymore. So, wow. so, there's, a, so there's a huge social repercussions. So we don't want to make light of it, right? It's, so it may be common, but when, we're, when we can offer a treatment for it, yeah. at a very early onset, like as soon as you start having incontinence and you can get help for it, the the extent of helping women goes through their lifespan. So we're preventing a lot of issues down the line and it's not difficult to treat. It's not. So yeah, so that's my soap <clears throat> my soapbox moment there of, of okay, it's common, but you know, there's really big repercussions to incontinence that we don't talk about um, that are real. 
Yeah. And it can happen to men and it can happen to women. Well, especially the long term of it, right? Like, if Mm -hmm. we don't treat it as, like, postpartum, if we're not treating it now, it's going to become clinical. If we're not treating this now, like you said, with the, like, long term, I'm sure that will affect some, it come into, um... I'm sure that will affect some of the menopause as well as oh, when yeah. you're going yeah. through menopause. Yeah. If we're not dealing with it now, it then you're going worse. through menopause yeah. and then having to be put into a home early because, yeah. 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 So that stress incontinence, like I said, common but not okay. Okay. The other type of incontinence that's important to talk about that's also very common in women and also after moms have had their babies is what we'll called urge incontinence. Okay. So that's a little different. So that's when you, you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. You get the sense of, of urgency. But all of a sudden, you can't get to the bathroom on time. Like, you used to be able to hold it in. Okay. So normal is, if I feel like I have to go pee, I should be able to hang on and get to the bathroom on time, undo my pants, sit down, and have a pee. But when you have urge incontinence, your window to get to the bathroom is really short. So you get a strong urge, but you can't get to the bathroom on time. So when you lose bladder control, it's usually quite a bit of volume. Okay. It's like the floodgates open. A lot of urine is lost. And so then what happens, the repercussions of that is women say, okay, well, I don't want that to happen again. So then we start to go to the bathroom more often mm. than we should. We go to the bathroom just in case. We do those just in case pees. I'm leaving to go to the grocery store. I'm yeah. going to go to the bathroom. Um, I'm leaving to go to outside to guard. I'm going to the bathroom. Uh, you know, you, you plan your day around all of your bathrooms and you tend to go more often than you should be going. And that's a big social problem as well because now women are planning their day around bathrooms. And a lot of my older women who have urge incontinence will say, I don't go visit my children that live four hours away because I have to stop so often to go pee that it takes too long to get where I'm going. I can't go visit my grandchildren because if I have to take the bus, I'm worried that the bathroom's not always available or what if somebody's in the bathroom when I need to go and I'm sitting in the bus for four or five hours. I have women who've refused to travel by air because they worry about being in a plane for a long time. And not having access to the bathroom and then sitting in the plane and having an accident because they have the urge to go pee and they can't hold it in. So again, huge repercussions socially for women who have urge incontinence. So stress and urge incontinence are the two most common, but not okay, but common forms of incontinence that happen to most women. Um, And typically the onset of that is usually um, the fact that we're the ones who get pregnant and we're the ones who give birth okay Okay. so there's other reasons it can happen outside of childbirth and pregnancy but for the most uh for the most part it is related to the fact that we're the ones who have children and then if if a if a mom or if a woman is struggling with stress or urge um incontinence before having a baby Mm -hmm. Will that get worse? It's it's we can't see that a hundred percent, but we definitely want to treat it, you yeah. know, before it can it get worse? It might. Uh, but there's no guarantee. Sometimes it stays the same, sometimes it gets worse. Um, there's no way of knowing because the birth experience can be very different, right? Some women can have a very easy birth experience with very very minimal impact on their pelvic floor and even if they had pelvic floor issues before are okay but then maybe if somebody has uh, pelvic floor problems before and they have a very challenging birth experience then maybe those are the women so I always tell women it doesn't for me what I would love that we did in Canada is that everybody who has a baby gets to see a pelvic floor physio at six weeks postpartum because in Europe it's like that like if you're in France the government actually pays for six free postpartum 
assessments, treatments with a pelvic floor physio for anybody who has a baby. Whether you have a bladder problem or not, or a sexual problem or not, you get free visits to a pelvic floor physio in France after you uh, have your baby. Because that's, that's how much they recognize it's important. And the sooner we get to it, the sooner the problem reduces. Mm -hmm. Because we recognize in pregnancy and postpartum is that, you know, after our babies are born, we're tired, we're overwhelmed, we're taking care of this new person. We often don't take care of ourselves. Yeah. And so what the government in France has done is said, well, we're going to take away the burden of cost and we're going to make it easy for women to go see a pelvic floor physio. And everybody in France knows that. Oh, have you seen your pelvic floor physio? Have you seen it? Have you been in? Like it's so a, for it's them, a it's not, it's it's not, not considered normal no, to be. No, you go see your pelvic floor physio. It is the norm in France. And so I think we need to change that because, mm -hmm. again, um, you know, if you come out of birth and you're doing really well, then you know you're okay. We'll still probably give you a few things to work on and for prevention, but then you feel that kind of confidence and that security that you're yes. good. And if you're happy, if you happen to have issue at six weeks postpartum, well, at least we're catching it. And we can encourage you and show you some strategies really quickly to reduce that burden on you. Because that's an extra stress for women. Absolutely. You know, parenting is not easy and having babies, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And then once you have a baby and you're so hyper-focused on, I need to get to the bathroom, where's this bathroom? Da -da -da. Mm -hmm. now, now I have this baby that I need to bring with yeah. me into all of the bathrooms. And, oh, I don't like, I can't go shopping at this store because I don't like their bathroom. I, there's no place to put the baby. Exactly. Or I don't like this. Right? And that so can create that's... a lot of distress because then you're really planning your day around mm -hmm. your bladder. And then maybe as a young mom or as a mom, you say, I'm not going to go out. I'm going to stay indoors. And so then you, and then moms yep. are socially isolating themselves because of these issues. And they're not going out with their babies and participating in groups and doing things like that. And I think then the rates of maybe depression or postpartum depression can go up a little higher because we're just adding this extra burden on something we can fix, yeah. right? On something that's not difficult to treat. And that's the key right there is this is something that is yeah. easily treatable. Easily this treatable. This is absolutely something that can be absolutely. overcome. So you don't have to stress about what store you're going to and where the bathroom That's is. Right. And I can't drive for long distances and all of that stuff because that is tough for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because your pelvic floor is a muscle, right? This is yeah. all. It's a muscle. So we're going to teach you how to properly use that muscle so that you can get to the bathroom on time and you can hold it in a little bit better. And then when you cough, sneeze, or laugh, you don't leak and you can exercise again. Yeah, because. So there's a whole, right, we always hear the Kegels. That's right. Um, but it's not like one size fits all, kind of like no. sleep, kind of like parenting. It's not just here. here's your magic wand. That's right. Do these Kegel exercises, right? And yeah. I, I want to say that recently we've there's been a lot more lately in Kegels and not being for everybody, um, making sure that you're doing them properly. That's How right. do you even know what you're doing them properly? That kind of stuff. And this is where it gets tricky, right? Because again, the muscles inside your body. So a lot of women, you know, if they go online and they read about how to do a Kegel, they go, okay, I think I got it. And the problem is, is that nobody's telling you if you're doing them correctly. And it's okay. really hard to know if you're doing them the right way. Okay. Because you can't see it. Mm -hmm. You can't feel it. So, so that's a bit of a challenge. And Kegel, the, the actually term Kegel comes from Dr. Kegel. He was a gynecologist in the 1950s. He was kind of like the first one to really figure out that these muscles were important. So we call them Kegels because it's out of respect to Dr. Kegel. Nowadays, we tend to call them more pelvic floor exercises, okay? okay? And so, like I said, problem number one, it's inside your body. Do you really know if you're doing them correctly or not? Second problem is, it's not just about weakness in your pelvic floor. There are a lot of women who have pain. 
So if you have pain, vaginal pain, rectal pain, pain when you're peeing, that's not a bladder infection, pain when you're having bowel movements, that's not a hemorrhoid, uh, pain with intercourse, then your pelvic floor might actually have too much tension in it. And if your pelvic floor has too much tension, we don't make it stiffer and stronger by doing Kegels. So this is where it's important to see a physio because we assess the pelvic floor. So we'll tell you your pelvic floor is weak. Your pelvic floor actually holds too much tension. And the treatment is completely different. Group number one, the one that's weak, they get to do Kegels. We'll teach them how to do that properly. But the women who have tension, they don't do Kegels. We do reverse Kegels. We actually teach those women how to lengthen and relax their pelvic floor. Interesting. So it's two different problems. And you can have tension and have pain and also have incontinence. Okay. Wow. Right? So you can have stress incontinence and maybe you have pain with intercourse as well. So you can have both happening because if a muscle's too tight and your brain says, okay, you're going to cough or sneeze, so you've got to work to close the urethra, it can't. It's already, it's already so it's too tight. St- it, it can't do its job. For a muscle to work really well, it has to be able to move. To move is to contract. If it's tense and held in tension, it's not contracting. And you're not going to have the ability to close off that that urethra adequately, and you're still going to have incontinence. Okay. So this is where it gets complicated, right? Because a lot of women have come to see me, and they say, I've been doing those Kegels, and I don't like them. And I'll say, well, why don't you like them? Well, they actually, they're uncomfortable. So that's my first little red flag. That's my little red flag. And I go, okay, so tell me, are you having any issues with intercourse? And they'll go, yeah, actually, it hurts to have intercourse. Okay, there's another red flag, right? So I say, well, you might be someone actually that should not be doing Kegels because they're uncomfortable for you. So then we take those away and we reduce the tension and then we make them stronger once the pain is gone. Okay. So that's the complication of Kegels and that's why it's important to see someone who's trained to evaluate that muscle because they can tell you the state of your muscle. Is it weak or is it under tension? And the treatments are completely different. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so if a mom, let, let's walk through the appointment because okay. because yep. you do do internals. Yep. Um, we've just had babies, so we've had you know midwives and doctors and yep. students and everybody else up there. Um, but they've kind of have that one job, baby out, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're doing your internal, that's exactly what you're checking, right? Exactly. So, but you're not just like, hey, come on in, let's do an internal. No, we're just- no, no. And, and I, the first thing I want to say, because every time every time we talk about internals, everybody kind of like clenches, right? Yeah. Um, so it is not like having a pap. So it's a very okay. different experience. Okay. So you come in usually when you're coming in for a physio evaluation. The first thing we're going to do is spend a lot of time talking. So usually the first half an hour, sometimes even more, is talking about everything. Talking about bladder health, bowel health. Tell me how your birth went. Tell me how many babies you've had. Tell me if you've had any complications. So a lot of talking. And then we sit down and we do an explanation of what the pelvic floor is. So exactly what I did today. Perfect. Where the muscle is, what it does, and then how that's pertinent to their symptoms. So if you're coming in for incontinence, I'd say, well, you know, if your muscles are not strong enough to close around the urethra, you're going to have incontinence. So then I explain, you know, we need to check to see how your muscles are functioning. And to do that, I need to do an internal exam because they're inside your body. I can't see them and I can't feel them, but I can when I insert my fingers in your vagina. But there's no speculum. Okay, nice. And you're not in stirrups. Wonderful. You're lying on the bed (laughs) with some nice, comfortable sheets. You're not with the paper. You're well covered up. And... 
we're not there to cause pain. So, you know, with a, with a, with a pap, it's, we're uncomfortable a lot of times yes. just because of the pressure. So there's none of that. It's not to say that there's not going to be some discomfort. Because if you're coming to see me postpartum because you have pain with intercourse. Yes. Right? We're going to be very gentle with our exam because we know there's pain in there. And so we're going to be much more gentle with our exam. And again, with not using a speculum, it's a little easier because we don't have to put a lot of pressure yeah. that might be painful. And you know what? I'll tell you, if there are women who are in a lot of pain, I won't do an internal exam that first day. Okay. I can do some external work to kind of get them started on changing their pelvic floor pain, let's say, um, without doing an internal if they're not comfortable with it or if we can't do it because there's too much pain. So never, never, never are we ever going to do an internal exam on someone that has too much pain and we can't even put a finger in there. Okay. okay? So that's really important for people to know because they think, again, our experiences usually with internals is not usually a pleasant one. Um, so it's a private room with a locked door, uh, you know, very quiet, uh, you know, cozy room, with good temperature control, good sheets, um, and lots of explanations before we do an internal. And we don't always do an internal on day one. Okay. Right? Because sometimes, you know, again, we have to ease into it if there's a lot of discomfort. Because our main goal is to not cause any distress and it's to not cause any pain. And... I've sat down with yourself and your two, um, my two physios, yeah. your two physios yeah. as well. And they are very, you guys were very comfortable to sit and talk with. Um, I'm sure people will pick up on that as yeah. well. Just listening to you as well, that, that kind of calm, yep. non-judgmental, it's a vagina. Yep. It's your pelvic floor. Yep. If it's not working we'll though, it. as it should be, we're just fixing it. Right? right. Just like if you yeah. blew out your shoulder and you were having to do all of that, there's no difference yeah. in, it's a little bit harder because there is an internal involved. Unfortunately for women, we have to kind of yeah. get used to a lot we, of internals. We do, but, but I'll tell you, you know, like I said, we're very, very um, mindful, especially because, I mean, I've dealt with women who've had trauma. Yes. Um, very mindful of the fact that if you're uncomfortable with the idea of the internal or you have a high level of pain, we're not going to do it that first day. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you, we're going to talk about it. I'm still going to give you exercise. You're going to yeah. get comfortable. And when you're ready, we'll try. That's amazing. And that's it. And we don't, some we of don't us, push it. Yeah. And yeah some of us may just it. need a couple more visits right. to kind of get comfortable. Yep. And some are like, you know, I'm done with it. Right. right. Like I just yeah. fix it. Get hurry it up, get in there, fix and it. Tell exactly. me what I'm doing wrong and let's, yeah, get, let's out get out of here. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's a mixed bag of people that come in. Right? Yeah. And it depends on their story. Like I said, I think we can kind of understand if you've had a history of trauma, you're going to be a little bit more hesitant with the whole you know, idea of an internal, but we talk about trauma. That's the other thing too, is uh, a lot of us who do this type of work are what we call trauma-informed therapists, meaning that we understand trauma. We know how it um, affects the human body when you have trauma. So we're very mindful of that when women come to see us and we talk about it, uh, whether it's trauma from the birth or another type of trauma that mm-hmm. might have happened, you know, in, in their life. Um, and our main goal is to treat you taking in consideration your story of trauma or your your experiences in life and making you as comfortable as possible to get the most uh, effective treatment as possible. So That's amazing. Yeah, it's very individual-based, right, mm-hmm. depending. And, and we know, like, we can tell when somebody comes in if, if today's going to be internal or not internal, right? And okay. it's perfectly okay not to because there's lots of things that we can do because there's a lot of education. Mm-hmm. Right? If you have incontinence and you're, or, and you're going to the bathroom often, I can talk to you about diet and fluids, 
Okay. I can give you some bathroom tips if you're plagued with constipation. I can show you some little tips on making constipation a little easier. We'll talk about diet. We'll talk about how to sit on the toilet. We can do all of that without doing an internal. Okay. Right? So there's lots of learning lots beforehand Lots of as learning well. to do. So there's never any pressure uh, for women, you know, in that case. So yeah, there's lots of education um, revolving bladder health, bowel health, and all that kind of stuff. You know? That's so, amazing. Yeah, there's quite a lot. Um, so if, if we have, um, a woman who's considering getting pregnant, mm -hmm. um, is there anything that she can do? So say she doesn't have any, any challenges, issues? any yeah. issues beforehand, um, healthy vagina, healthy pelvic floor feels like, mm -hmm. um, but wants to get pregnant and wants to potentially avoid any of the, yeah, of the, um, issues. <laughs> of the issues that can kind of creep up. Is there anything they can do? before they get pregnant to prepare? Yes, I mean, and, and so it's hard to say, can we 100% prepare you for all of the eventualities yes. of giving birth? That's hard to say, and we don't have a lot of studies on that particularly, but anecdotally, with my experience, so having done this for a few years now, um, is I would also love to have women, even if they just came in once, maybe in their second trimester, to meet with a pelvic floor physio because um, we can talk about the pelvic floor and we can talk about how to prepare. And one of the things that I like to do with my women when they get towards the end of their pregnancy is teaching them this idea of how to let go of tension in your pelvic floor, like how to stretch, how to open your pelvis, which is why I like yoga a lot in pregnancy okay. because yoga, so that'll be a lot my big go-to. I'll say, okay, I want you to find prenatal yoga in the area because I know they're going to be working on pelvic openers which okay. is opening and lengthening your pelvic floor making it elastic right because it's designed to stretch with delivery so we want to make sure that it has the ability to stretch and what I like about yoga as well is the breathing practices because it's okay. all about deep diaphragmatic breathing which is good for the pelvic floor because when you take a deep breath in your pelvic floor relaxes and opens and so then they can learn breathing exercises for birthing as well which is really great so pelvic openers a lot of deep breathing Okay. Um, is more the focus towards the end of the pregnancy versus worrying about doing Kegels. Okay. Because by the time you're like in your third trimester, the baby's sitting really low. <laughs> it's hard to do a pelvic floor <laughs> contraction. So I kind of say, yeah, at that point in time, if you've never had any issues before, it's all about opening, lengthening, and then maybe they look into hypnobirthing or maybe they look into doing a class for breathing exercises okay. because those classes are important because they teach women how to reduce tension during the delivery process, right? Yes. So that's really important because that's important for your pelvic floor because if during a, contra a contraction you tighten up your whole body, yeah, you're closing you're your not, pelvic floor, yeah. right? You're, you're tightening your pelvic floor and that's the muscle that's supposed to be letting go to let the baby birth. So teaching those techniques ahead of time of, of letting go, what does that mean to let go of your pelvic floor versus tensing your pelvic floor, right? Yeah. And training women to, when you have a contraction, when somebody's cueing you to take a deep breath, right? There's a reason we're doing that. We're doing that because we know it's opening and letting go of tension in your pelvic floor. Even though it's painful in that moment, you know, you still have to take that breath, right? Yeah. Um, so I'll talk a lot about that type of stuff. Okay. If somebody is pregnant and had problems, okay. then I would have them come in a little sooner. 
because I probably would need to strengthen and give them some Kegels to do maybe their first trimester into their second trimester. Okay, perfect. And then by the time they're in their third trimester, again, I'm going back to the letting go, opening, stretching. Let's get your pelvic floor ready for the work it's going to do and not worry so much about strengthening at that part. Um, and then both groups of women should come see someone postpartum at about six weeks. So they have to wait six weeks? Six weeks, yeah. Once they get the kind of clear from... From the midwife and the OBGYN. Okay. And it's because, you know, if you had any um, tearing, you know, giving birth is, is a big workout. It's a big it workout. And, yep. and some women, unfortunately, do have episiotomies or they do have tears. And your body needs to heal. And healing time is about six to eight weeks. Okay. So that's why we wait six weeks because we won't do an internal until everything's really well healed okay. and it gives mom time to like bond with the baby figure out breastfeeding try to get a bit more sleep before they're up and about um it's not to say that i haven't seen women before then so let's say you are having back pain or hip pain or pubic bone pain or tailbone pain and that's really preventing you from being mobile as soon as you're home with the baby, then I'm going to want to see you earlier. That's okay. that's more like I don't need to do internal work, but I do need to treat that because if you can't walk because you're in a lot of pain and you can't sit because you're in a lot of pain and that's going to affect your ability to feed your baby, then we need to sort that out. So that's a little different. Yeah, because giving birth can be quite traumatic to the body. Well, it can, and yeah. like, unfortunately, there are some instances as well where they're ripping and... Um, that can, I imagine, that can kind of, if you're ripping kind of those layers, that can cause, can that affect the pelvic floor at it all? It does, yeah, yeah. So the pelvic floor, um, you know, when there's an episiotomy or what they call like a fourth degree tear, um, it tends to affect the pelvic floor muscles. And that's okay. why a lot of women can have some incontinence after. But the good thing mm -hmm. is your body heals. If your body heals, your pelvic floor heals, your skin heals. Um, that part of her body has a lot of blood flow and that's really good. Okay. Okay. Kind of like your lips on your face. We call that vascular because there's a lot of blood flow. It heals really well. Okay. Okay. So that's good. Our vulva, our pelvic floor area, tons of blood flow. So we do heal really well down there. Now if we had varicose veins on the vulva. Yeah. In pregnancy, yeah. is that now another like red flag? Like you definitely need to come back to get that kind of going, or not is necessarily. That, okay. Some women can kind of give birth and the varicose veins go away right okay. away sometimes. Okay. But if they didn't, again, when they come in, the good thing is when we give them the pelvic floor exercises, it will help if they still have some swelling okay. of varicosities after. Um, but there's treatment during pregnancy for that. So during pregnancy, we'll give them some exercise for circulation to okay. reduce the varicosities. And there's actually even a couple of braces that you can buy that supports the vulva to reduce that heaviness and pressure during pregnancy if you've got big varicose veins. Okay. So there's some treatments Ouch. during pregnancy for that and exercises for that as well. Usually it goes away post-baby. Okay. It's one of those things. It's just the mm -hmm. heaviness and the pressure of the baby on a lot of the blood vessels right in the pelvic cavity that cause that. Um, so yeah, so again, you, if if... If, if I had it up to me, everybody would have a visit with a pelvic floor physio. Let's work towards if that, If the MJ. government would pay <laughs> like for it, it and it would be free even yeah. better because then there's no barrier as, like, for cost. Yes. Because uh, that's a big thing in healthcare is that this is, you know, to come see us, it costs something. If you're 
lucky enough to have physiotherapy coverage, you're good. If you don't, you're paying out of pocket. Yeah. And I think that's a barrier. And if we could remove that barrier, that would be fantastic. But the government has to decide on that, you know, so hopefully one day. One it'll day. be like in France. Yeah, yes. you don't have to Let's worry. Hope. It's all covered. Um, so once baby comes, we are waiting about six weeks. Yeah. If um, it's kind of that pelvic floor, but if it's hips, kind of back. You can come legs, anytime you can come before. in anytime. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. And they can bring baby with them. They can bring baby with them. We're very baby friendly. And all pelvic floor physios, no matter where you go in Canada, um, we all have that same kind of philosophy. We want women to be able to have the least amount of barriers to coming in. And sometimes the barrier is finding a babysitter, the cost of a yep. babysitter. Maybe what you don't have do with family. The baby? Yeah. And it's okay if babies are fussy. We have like baby toys and all that kind of stuff. You can even actually nurse the baby while you're having treatment. It's very doable. Okay. Um, so again, we, we want to reduce the barriers for moms to seek out the care they need. Um, and so, yeah, bring the babies anytime. So yeah, six weeks is usually the typical time. And if we felt that you needed a little bit more time, maybe you had a bit of more of a challenging delivery, um, then we wait another couple of weeks before okay. we do an internal. Again, there's no rush. It's it's when we feel ready and when you feel ready that we'll do the exam. And uh, that can take a couple of extra weeks. That's fine. So we went through some of the reasons why our moms should come and see you. Mm -hmm. um, some of the reasons that they need to come and see you. So we chatted prolapse in the beginning. Can yeah. you chat? This one scared me. I read okay. this yes. after okay. having my first baby and I was guys, like, what? Please don't Google that. Do not, <laughs> do not, do not go on Google. Okay. Cause it'll scare you. Okay. Prolapse again, common. Okay, like how common? So, well, so it's, it's, pelvic floor is one in four. How common is prolapse? Well, I would say we don't have the same stats for okay. prolapse, but I would tell you it's probably similar. Okay, okay. Now, interesting. Okay, so, but again, prolapse are not dangerous. Okay. Because right? that's why I don't want you to Google it because it kind of, you know, kind of would freak you out. But prolapse is actually... If you think of your pelvic floor like your shelf, right? Okay. It's holding up your bladder, it's holding up your uterus, it's holding up your rectum. And when you deliver, of course, you've stretched your pelvic floor. You've softened it up a little bit. Okay. Okay? Now, because you've softened it up, your shelf is hanging a little lower. And so what happens is the bladder wants to tip back and it pushes against the vagina okay. or the rectum can tip forward and it pushes against the vagina. So because what we, that floor is because loose, the floor a is a little looser, looser. it's hanging a little lower. So it's not lifting up and holding up. So think of it like, like really think of it like a shelf. Like if you had a shelf that's nice and strong, it's holding up your books, but you know, when you have too many books and, and the starts shelf to starts of, to kind of like, yep. okay, so that's what your pelvic floor does. Okay. So what women feel is they'll feel like there's a lot of pressure and heaviness in their perineum. Okay. They'll feel like something's falling, dropping. Okay. Okay. Or if they look down there, they may see a little bit of a bump when they look inside the vagina. Okay. okay. So that's what we call a prolapse. Okay. And it is not dangerous. It's so it's just the muscle that's coming the out. The muscle's kind of softened up and the bladder's tipping back. For some women, it's the bladder. For other women, it'll be the rectum tips forward. Sometimes the uterus can, can come down a little bit. So what when I Googled it, it was, your uterus is coming out of your vagina. And yeah. I was like, what? No, there's I can lose my uterus through no, my vagina? What? No, you'll never, you'll <laughs> never, 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 never pick up 
your body parts outside of the okay. body. You'll never. So I literally Googled, yeah, so don't Google don't, it because Google that's it. what I had yeah. Googled and I was like, yeah. I am I going to have to like hold my uterus inside of me to no, walk to the doctors? Like it was terrifying. Not. So, and that's a problem with Google, right? And yes. Is that, okay. So the, the reason things are never going to fall out, it's because you've got your pelvic floor at the bottom holding up. But what we didn't talk about is the top of your organs are covered and held up by ligaments. And there's a lot of ligaments that hold up your bladder, hold up your uterus, hold up your bowel. They're still working. They may get stretched a little bit. Okay. So things will never fall out. You'll never pick up your bladder off the ground. Okay. It's just not going to happen. But do you feel like things are, you will feel like it falls out, but it won't. Okay. Okay. And so, but like I said, it's not dangerous. So a lot of women see that and they panic. Yep. Right? I would. And and hence they go on Dr. Google. But again, it is just a softening of tissues okay because we've lost a bit of that strength in the pelvic floor and what we're going to do is we're going to strengthen that shelf back up and it'll nip and tuck everything wonderful it'll lift up the bladder <laughs> it'll lift up the bowel and so most women i think the one stat was at a conference not that long ago i think most women who've had a baby will have a little bit of a prolapse and okay. it makes sense there's no way that we're carrying these babies for nine months. With all that extra fluid, with all, all that, that extra, extra weight, that things yeah. are not stretching down there, right? It's If we think of it logically, of course things are going to soften up down mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but at the end of the day, you know, we can reverse it. We can reduce it, okay? And w- there's things that can kind of make the prolapse a little bit more, we call symptomatic, a little worse. And so constipation is one. Okay. So one of the main things we want to do is really make sure that our moms are not constipated and really make sure that we're softening their stool, that we're making sure they're not bearing down when they go to the bathroom because that will make their prolapse symptoms feel worse. That feeling of heaviness and pressure gets worse. Um, We teach you how to manage that. We teach you how to sit to go to the bathroom. We'll teach you how to lift things during the day because those car seat carriers are awful and they're heavy. We just weighed one yesterday, actually. We had one in yesterday. Um, One of the car seats, we had two moms in, and the car seats were so heavy without baby in it. I know, it's crazy. So so we took out, um, Heidi has a scale, so we took out the scale and we weighed it. It was a little over 11 pounds. Okay, so then you put baby in there. Yeah. And then the babies now have to stay in those a lot longer than when my kids were born 20 years ago. Yep. And so, you know, and that's hard because a lot of women will say, if I'm carrying the baby, if the baby's really fussy one day and I have to carry the baby a lot in the carrier during the day, I feel like that pressure and that heaviness is worse. Okay. So we teach them strategies as we're getting the muscles stronger, to help manage those symptoms during the day. What should you do when you're carrying the baby? You know, mining, uh, being mindful of constipation. Um, and then we talk a little bit about exercise, right? How to think of your pelvic floor when you're exercising so you don't yes. feel a lot of pressure. But the symptoms of a prolapse, again, are not difficult to treat. And they're, they, they can get resolved. And a lot of my women worry about the next baby. Okay, if I have it this time, mm-hmm. is it going to happen again next time? And that's a hard question to answer because, again, it depends, right? Your first delivery won't be the same as your second delivery. Nope. I had four and they were all different. They're all different, right? <laughs> so no you, can, you might have gotten a prolapse because of your first baby, but maybe your second stage of labor was three hours. Then baby number two, you push twice, baby's out. Yeah. Okay? Then that won't make your prolapse any worse. Right. So, again, we don't know, but after you have your first baby and you have a prolapse, if you've been told you have a prolapse, then you come see a pelvic floor physio and we help resolve that. And then you're prepared for the next delivery. 
you're prepared yeah. for the next yeah. pregnancy. You're doing that work. And you're doing the work ahead of time. You're strengthening that muscle and we're making sure you're doing all the strategies to kind of reduce pressure um, and making sure that you're exercising to keep everything strong and fit. Um, and you do very well with the second pregnancy. And if it happens the second pregnancy, again, there are things that we'll are, work on it. then we'll work on it after the second pregnancy. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's going to get worse over time. A lot of women um, have prolapse and never come and see a physio. Um, and it doesn't mean it gets worse on its own. Sometimes it stays exactly the same for the rest of their lives. Okay. And actually there's some research to show that sometimes it's get, it gets better as women get older. Okay. So we don't know. So what we do is we best prepare always. Yes. We address the problem, we fix the problem, and uh, and we, we manage it. And a lot of times it goes away and the symptoms are gone. And that main symptom is that feeling that something's going to be falling out, which it never will. Okay. <laughs> I, promise, good to know. <laughs> I promise you that it never will. Because I was thinking too, I was like, well, you described that pelvic floor muscle as being really quite large, mm -hmm. right? Like a, around that, like a, that, like that a whole bowl. bottom. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of like a bowl. So I was like, man, if there's like a uterus or a blood like it's got to go around like what's going on here no, so that's good no, to know it's, it's, it's just that muscle it's just that's the muscle relaxing. loose exactly and 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 so again again that's that's it's we want that muscle to relax that's the other thing too we're supposed to otherwise we wouldn't be able to give birth yeah but but if we were going to if we were going to stretch any other muscle in our body we would go to physio to strengthen yep. said muscle the problem we were doing with the pelvic floor for a long time is women were having babies and then the muscle got affected and then we never gave them physio, but it's a muscle. And so now what we do is we make sure those women come in, we treat them. And the goal is we want to prevent any ongoing symptoms and we want to reduce the rate of surgery, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want women, we do not want women to go for surgery unless they have to. Yeah. So, to. so, so say a mom is feeling like that heaviness, exactly kind mm -hmm. of what you're describing. And they're like, ah, I think I might be dealing with a prolapse. Mm -hmm. Do they have to go to the doctor first to get a referral? Can they come straight to you? Or a it, it depends. Floor? It okay. depends. You can come off the street to see a pelvic floor physio. Okay. But it'll depend on your insurance. So the insurance. So insurance. Might yeah. Need, yeah. So if you have physiotherapy insurance and the requirement is you need a doctor's referral, then yeah, go to the doctors. They'll write the referral. If that's not a requirement, you can come right away on your own. And if you don't have any physio coverage, you can come anytime on your own. And okay. we're trained to evaluate and assess for a prolapse. And, uh, and that's in our scope of practice, no problem. Okay. okay. Um, the only times that we definitely want to send people back to their doctors if I'm suspicious of a bladder infection or a okay. yeast infection or any other itises that kind of happen down there, mm -hmm. um, we're trained to recognize those and those we send back to either the nurse practitioners or the family physicians to get that sorted out. Okay. okay? So like not only can you help treat, but you can also help guide us in, okay, we're going to this, we need this for physiotherapy. You're in the right spot, but we need to do this and this. That's you right. need to go back to the That's doctor right. and see them. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing is sometimes postpartum, um, some mums will notice a lot of vaginal dryness, like after they have their babies okay. and sometimes when they're starting to have intercourse and it hurts um, if they're having what we call like vaginal fissures like little micro tears that causes bleeding then I want them to go back and see the gynecologist uh, obstetrician uh, sometimes they'll prescribe some creams sometimes okay. they'll prescribe creams with a little bit of estrogen to kind of plump up and reduce bleeding as I'm doing my physio to get rid of the tension in the muscle I'm working with the doctors to make sure that the skin is healing well 
So we work as a team always, oh, that's awesome. right? We got to work as a team because we're takes not trained. Village. It takes, it takes a, a village. village to raise a family, yeah, but it takes right. a village Absolutely. to support our moms. And I yeah. feel like what you said, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, moms were giving birth. 40, 50 years ago, moms were giving birth and it was just kind of, nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about the pelvic floor. Nobody talked about, no. you know, oh, are you are you having to run to the bathroom? Oh, you can't make it to the bathroom? Nobody's talking about that stuff. No. They, they weren't talking about anything um, to do with anything that's down right. there, right? So, And that still needs to improve. I think we're still yes. very shy and embarrassed as women to talk to our physicians uh, about these types of problems. So there's mm-hmm. a there's still a big taboo around talking about bladder health, bowel health, sexual health. Um, and so um, I have a lot of uh, medical students who come and mentor with me. And the one thing I always try to reinforce with the, with the medical students is like, when you become a doctor, you need to be comfortable asking yes. women of all ages if they have bladder issues, bowel issues, and sexual health issues. Because if you don't ask it, they may not bring it up. Yeah, because probably won't. Because if yeah. they're, in a, they may have been told, "Oh well, you're just a woman. You had babies. You, you've That's had babies. What life is. You might be thinking that." Um, and 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 so if the doctors don't bring it up, or the midwives or the nurse practitioners, if we're not bringing up that conversation, don't assume that women are going to tell you because a lot of women still keep it to themselves. Yes. And and that's that's still. A pretty big stats. I think one of the stats is like only 12% of women who have bladder, bowel, or sexual health issue actually bring it up to their primary health professionals. Wow. So it's not. A, so again, there's still a lot of stigma. Um, we think we're the only ones, right? Yep. We think it's just us, nobody else. Always. But if you start talking to your girlfriends or you start paying attention to how many times they got up to go pee, there's there, a lot of women have bladder issues, mm-hmm. and we need to be okay to talk about it because then we demystify. And then women can seek out the help they need. Well, in the work that we do now as women, as new moms, the work that we do mm-hmm. now in making that pelvic floor m- more of a co- topic of conversation, the better it's going to be for our little girls that we're having Absolutely. when they start having babies because it's going to be the norm. And That's right. maybe by that point we'll have, you know, if we if we open that conversation and really start mm-hmm. broadcasting it and talking about it, um, you know, maybe when our little ones have grown and start mm-hmm. to become moms themselves, like in France, this stuff yeah. will be covered, right? Like yeah. we need to make the we noise. we need to yeah we need to to make this a little bit more of a normal conversation, mm-hmm. and we also need to do it in a way that doesn't create fear either. You know, in a way that this is what your pelvic floor does, and it's not okay to have leakage. And if it happens you can find someone to help you and it'll it'll get sorted out. And if you're not comfortable with your family doctor or your primary care physician, a physio, you can can find a a physiotherapist and say, listen, I've had my doctor since I was eight. I'm not super comfortable talking to him about my vagina, but you seem really awesome. I'm here we go. Like I said, yeah, hear me roar. And then (laughs) if we need the doctor's help, then, then we'll, we'll talk about that and, and bring Mm -hmm. that up. And I communicate with the physicians or the midwives and, or the nurse practitioners. And uh, so that everybody, on the same uh, on the same um, wavelength, and I think too the the other thing too is I don't know I don't know if I have issues I don't know if I should be seeing someone I don't know mm-hmm. if I should be talking to my doctor but then I sit down with you and you're like okay well let's chat about this let's chat about this and then I'm thinking hmm now I feel a lot more comfortable going to my doctor saying actually here's this red flag and here's this red flag I I was talking to my physiotherapist mm-hmm. and yeah. you know I now remember I know that these symptoms aren't quote unquote normal that's right right so it's like oh well 
sometimes I pee when I laugh. But then as you're talking with you, you're like, oh, crap, actually, yeah, vaginal dryness. Oh, there's a little bit of pain there. Now I'm like, okay, now I can go into the doctor and say, okay, so these are my issues now. And I need need a note. Yeah, and I need a note for physio. And I want to go see MJ Kylie Alley. And uh, can you write me? And a lot of women do that. They'll go to the doctor and go, or they'll say, I read online, right, that there's pelvic floor physios who treat this problem. And, and I would say to you, the doctors in North Bay are, have been excellent. You know, they've, they've known me for quite a few years. And I've had, there's quite a few that are very proactive who do ask the questions. All the young doctors coming in from medical school, hopefully, as they spend a day with me, I'm like, you know, <laughs> really making sure they get that they need to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to change. It's going to improve. It's going to continue to improve. But women are very proactive because of social media. Yes. And very proactive that way because there's been a few, you know, Hollywood stars that have come out and talked about pelvic health. And so that's really helped. Um, so we do see a bit of a change where women are saying, I want to see a pelvic floor physio. Who do I go see? Mm-hmm. Um, or seeking out the treatments. Because I'll ask women, who, who sent you my way? You know, and sometimes it's a doctor, sometimes it's the midwife, sometimes it's a friend, yep. uh, sometimes it's their mom, right? Good. Maybe I treated their moms and now they just had their baby. And so mom said, you know, I was having these issues and I waited 20 years after I had you. Yes. You Don't should go wait. see, you Don't should wait. go see someone. So women are talking amongst themselves a little bit more. And I often tell my women, talk about this. Yes. Now that you've experienced it, now that you see how good you're doing, your job now is to talk about it. Yeah. So if you go somewhere socially with your girlfriends and somebody, you know, mentions, oh my God, I just laughed and I peed my pants, you can say, you know, I'm really sorry that happened, but you know, you can get that sorted out, mm-hmm. you know, and my, my older women, you know, if they're going out socially the same thing, you know, if they're noticing their friends are getting up often to go to the bathroom, you can kind of bring up that conversation that there's treatment for that so that we're helping each other out that way. And we're mm-hmm. not creating this myth around bladder control or sexual health for that matter, because that's a whole other, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other issue. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, all treatable, all treatable, but we need to talk about it, you know, to make sure that women understand that again after you have your baby you know it's sometimes the first time uncomfortable to have sex that first time yes okay it's kind so, of like that first bowel movement like after having a baby right exactly. you're like, you're oh, like what is it this. okay so there's that <laughs> versus oh my goodness I feel like I'm tearing again or I'm I I you know I've got this pain and I'm having bleeding like that is not okay mm-hmm. and that's very treatable but that's never okay and we don't talk about that again to moms. We don't ask them, you know, as we do the check-ins, you know, the baby's milestones or yep. anything like that. We don't ask mom, how are you doing? You know, are you having any issues? How's your bladder? How's your bowel? Have you been able to have intercourse? You know, are, is, is it painful? We're not asking those questions. And again, you know, when you're having that much pain, you kind of go, oh my gosh, like I must be the only one. Yeah. Right? And that's never okay. It's never okay to have pain well, with sex. I'm on your side, MJ. We you're are going okay. to start our fourth trimester, our yes, prenatal classes. Yes. All of the, the moms that we are talking to, it's definitely going to be, we need to see our pelvic floor physiotherapist. Yeah. We're really lucky here in North Bay, Gateway Physiotherapy, which you co-own. Um, we have you and Allie and Kylie. Kylie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how awesome is that? Awesome. But uh, if a lot of our listeners aren't in North Bay, mm-hmm. um, is there in Canada, is there a place that we can find? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you go on a website called Pelvic Health Solutions dot well double check dot com or dot ca. I think it I can't remember if it's dot com or dot ca. You want to double check? Yes. Okay. okay. Um 
There is a Find a Physio uh, portion on that website, and you can look at out-of-province physios or in Ontario. And you'll search up your city, and then you're going to have a list of all the physios who've done pelvic health courses. You can even look at the courses they've taken. You can actually click on someone's name and see all the courses they've done. So let's say you're a mom and you're postpartum. Well, we have a pregnancy course that we teach. We have a breast health course, like a lactation course. So if that's the issue you have, you can actually find a physio who's done those courses. So you can look at their, yeah, exactly. That's so pelvic, pelvichealthsolutions.ca. Um, and then they go into the for the patient. For the patient. Um, and then you can... Uh, Tons of information. It's yeah, it's a site. really great website. Yeah, um, and then you can find your pelvic floor physiotherapist that's right. in your area. Yeah. So, and it is a great resource. We that that uh, so that's the group that I teach with, and uh, you know it's a really great website that has a lot of information for the general public. Um, on all the different conditions of what a pelvic floor physio treats for both men and women. And, and we also treat children who have bedwetting issues and okay. all of that as well. And so lots of really, really good information on that website for and, and accurate information, right? There's a, the problem is, is when you go on Dr. Google, there's a lot of stuff yes. that is not reputable. This is actually all done by us, those of us that teach, we've helped design this website. We've written these articles. Um, there's going to be an update to this website coming up soon as well. So there'll be some updated info as well. Um, and then you can find all of us that do pelvic health, the courses that we've done. I should be listed somewhere in there under North Bay. Yeah, and you get to click our names and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a really, really great, easy website. I, yeah, just looking right yeah. now, just even just the resources, the media, the articles, there's the lots. blogs, the info, like tons of information. Yeah. So pelvichealthsolutions.ca pelvic Health um, and find, honestly, moms or moms-to-be, if you are struggling with anything that MJ and I chatted about today, I would really, really, really encourage you to get in, uh, find your pelvic floor physiotherapist in your area and get in and, and see what you can be doing. Um, you know, we... Uh, there's so many challenges with becoming a new mom. It's so stressful. It's so overwhelming. Uh, it can be very isolating. We're already struggling with all of the postpartum stuff. We're all struggling with our recovering body, with getting to know your baby. Um, if it's hurting to have sex, if it's hurting to pee, if you're leaking, if any of the issues that we chatted about today are happening, please don't feel embarrassed. Please don't feel ashamed. Know that this although is common, is not okay. normal. Um, it's not okay, but um, there is help and there absolutely is amazing help mm -hmm. um, that can get you the treatment and that can get you back into that healthy pelvic floor because, so that you're not isolating and you're not, you know, missing out on shopping at certain stores because they don't have And I'm missing out on exercising and going out yeah, and socializing. And laughing and the, going to comedy yeah, clubs and, you know, like being dancing, able to, yeah. Dancing, Zumba, playing on the trampoline with the kids. Yes. Like none of that should be uh, a problem. Yeah, it really shouldn't. So if you are struggling, please reach out. Um, PelvicHealthSolutions.ca, GatewayPhysiotherapy.com. Mm -hmm. um, check out reach out, check out MJ um, and her staff, check out the physiotherapist in your area and definitely get on top of it. Thanks, MJ. Thanks so much You're for joining welcome. us. This was awesome. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We so appreciate that you've taken that time to come and hang out with us and listen to what we have to say. 
If you are struggling with sleep or parenting, please know that we have loads of free information on the website um, as well as on the YouTube channel. But if after you've read through everything and you've watched those videos, if you're still struggling, know that you're not alone and that we would love to help. So be sure to check out the website, www.restfulparenting.com. You'll find the link to book your free 15-minute call right there. And if you have any comments or anything you'd like to share with us, please leave them below in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks.